First off, I'm a huge, huge uh, Serena Williams fan. I don't follow tennis a lot, but, you know, Serena Williams is my second ex-wife. They're <laughs> mm. <laughs> my future ex-wife. <laughs> I just got to make sure I tell Tara that. But, yeah, Serena Williams did something that no other woman has done. She has won more titles in the open era than any other person. Any other human, black, white, um historical figure not more than arthur ash or anyone else that you could actually name she's not only um man she's she's the greatest tennis player ever not just black tennis player not just female tennis player she's the greatest tennis player ever i mean i think she's a superhero I'll be honest with you. I'm, pr- I'm so proud of women lately. They've really been putting in some work. <laughs> women have really been in, uh, uh, doing some uh, in impressive feats uh, lately. And um, this is something that, you know, uh, you know, you, we, we have our LeBrons and our Kobe's and all of that. But this is a woman that could say she has completely owned and there is no competition. There is no argument. You can argue Kobe versus LeBron. You can argue rather Michael might have busted Jordan's stuff. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to Serena Williams, what's she gonna say? Who, 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 who could you even put in the conversation with her? Not even her sister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and the beautiful thing about this last weekend was that she battled her sister. Yes, she did. So they kept it in the Williams family, and um, I give a lot of props to Serena and Venus, but even more to father. I mean, that father. Turned out some amazing straight athletes. out of Compton, out of Compton, California. Straight out of Compton. Shout out to all the people listening from Southern California, man. You got yourself a superhero in the midst. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's um, not hard to look at either. I'm talking about <laughs> Brick House Stallion. I am not mad at Serena Williams. Uh, hey, check this out. Thirty-five years old, right? Mm-hmm. Ten of her championships came after age thirty. That's Ten huge. of them. That's huge. Ten. That's huge because usually, because uh, you know, usually when uh, when people get older, that's usually when you see a decline. But to uh, have that type of accomplishment after the age of thirty, when uh, most athletes start to deteriorate or you know their abilities start to go downhill, that's a uh, that's a huge accomplishment. It's almost as if she's getting better with age. You know, I love my people. <laughs> my people are dominating out there in the sports world so uh, what else you got Jamal well it would be nice if we get some ownership in some of these sports but uh, we'll take this little small little um, achievement and like, today and like Tia was saying it, it just goes to show that uh, uh, regardless of sex race or age um, anybody that can dominate like that in any sport um, deserves props yeah it, it deserves recognition because you know like you said greatest tennis player you, when you when you talk about it the greatest player in a in a specific sport. You look at their accomplishments, and when you compare those to the other greats in uh, tennis, you know she has a very valid argument to be uh, one of the, the most uh, dominant uh, tennis player in history. Hmm. So, uh, our boy LeBron James decided to go off the rails this week. <laughs> he did. Um, 
this this is an interesting. How far uh, off did he go? You know what? I, I'm I'm gonna let Jamal lead this one because he because he's got the uh, actual words that LeBron I mean, said. He's got them pulled. I would up like to hear the exact now this, quote. Now this uh, this thing with LeBron and and Barkley has been going on for years. For anybody that don't know, um, Barkley has been very critical of LeBron James during his career. Um, it seems every season, at some point, or multiple times during the season, you got uh, Charles Barkley criticizing LeBron James for one thing or another, whether it's friendships in the NBA, if it's uh, his performance on any given night or during the stretch of the season, um, his, go- the, his uh, influence that he's using with uh, management of his team to get what it is that he wants, whether it's coaching changes or to get certain players. So, uh, Talk about Barkley, his whining. So Charles, yeah, his whining. So Charles Barkley has been very critical of LeBron James over the years. And finally, LeBron James got to a point to where he finally snapped back at uh, Charles. What did he say? And he just say? To, to go exactly what he said, he said, I'm not going to let him disrespect my legacy like that. And this one he gets personally. He says, I'm not the one who threw somebody through a window. I never mm. spit on a kid. I never oh. had unpaid debt in Las Vegas. Mm. I never said I'm not a role model. Mm. I never showed up to All-Star Weekend on Sunday because I was in Vegas all weekend partying. All I've done for my entire career is represent the NBA the right way. 14 years, never got in trouble, respected the game, print that. Wow. And then he goes on to the uh, the finals that uh, Barkley was in when he played against the Bulls, and he said, go watch the 93 finals when John Paxson hit the shot. Barkley and Jordan were laughing and joking with each other during one of those games while somebody's shooting a free throw in the finals. But, oh, nobody were friends back then. Now, I, I kind of got uh, I, I got two sides to how I feel about this situation. One is I, I, I back LeBron and for him finally, you know, responding to Charles Barkley because up to this point, he's been taking the high road. You know, he's been being respectful in the media, cautious as to what he said. But at some point, you're only going to jab at somebody so much before they snap back or they say something back because, I mean, at the end of the day, something has to be said. You can't just let somebody just keep, you know, attacking like that, especially when they're criticizing your legacy like that. But I do think that he probably should have kept it basketball-wise because he could have he he uh, came back cold on, on Barkley by just uh, comparing careers. Uh, you know, you say kept it basketball, but Barkley – has gone off of basketball I, when he I, talked I, to LeBron. Yeah, I, and LeBron could have taken the high road. But yeah, but, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, a response wasn't needed, but as as much as, as what he said coming back, now he got – it went from basketball to being personal. personal. <laughs> so now, you know, if I'm Charles Barkley, I'm sitting back like, hey, bro, you took it to another level. So now it's like, you know, if me and you get – one on one, you know, we're gonna have to. We're gonna it's have to be some it. words or some furniture moving, right? Because <laughs> he he took it past basketball, but I mean, I'm with LeBron in the sense that that a response was needed. Um, if that was the right response, I can't say. I'm not gonna say yes or no, but I mean, he did go straight personal, and uh, I guess I don't know if that was just from the frustrations, but well, let me, let me let me ask you. He said, "I didn't throw anybody through a window. I didn't." Have any gambling debts in Vegas? I didn't show up on Sunday to the All Star Weekend because I was in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 dug into him. Yeah, and, and, and you him. could tell that he was frustrated from it, and it just got to a point to where he he was like, "Enough is enough." 
So he just went back at him, and he went back at him hard. Well, you're talking about him, him, him digging into him. I think that this is the beginning of a uh, new era that we're going to see in LeBron James. Uh, LeBron has gotten egotistical. First, he was so worried that, you know, all the criticism and he'll never be able to live up to maybe the Michael or the Kobe legacies and things. And, you know, whether he admitted it or not, he was he wanted to uh, he wanted to uh, be at least on an equal fitting with uh, greats uh, such as those. And um, winning that championship last year, I think, has uh, uh, inflated his ego where he's gotten the confidence to where he feel like he can start snapping back now. You know, Hall of Famer or not, uh, Charles Barkley, uh, who are you? You know, I, I got four rings. Oh, mm-hmm. no, three. How many rings does he have? Three. Three. I got three rings. You have none. You know, you know, and he, he did dig in. You like, you spit on somebody, you spit on a kid, and, um, and, and what, what, what let's just say, brought somebody his, through a window. And talked about his gambling debts, and you know, Charles Barkley, you know, <laughs> it's funny because you get old and you, your, your job is to sit up there on TNT and criticize people, but, uh, I do remember Charles. Charles was, Charles was a, was a, was a thug in the 80s. But he couldn't do nothing against Bill Lambeer and them um, Detroit. How come the black guy got to be a thug, man? Um, Bill Lambeer, I just mentioned him. Okay. He was the he was the worst. He was a bad boy. He was the worst NBA thug of all time. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm just I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, you know, right? A black man got to be the thug. But I think that LeBron winning that championship last night has inflated his ego, where he's saying to everyone. He's starting to think that he is the best. He's starting to smell himself, and he's going to start challenging people. He's already kind of got kind of a confrontational relationship with Michael Jordan. They ain't necessarily, uh, you know, friends. Well, and you got to admit, I mean, he's a, a a tier one celebrity player superstar who won championships on two teams as the number one star. I mean, there there are other people who won championships on other teams. You know, Shaq. Robert Ory just collected rings by being a bench player on a, but he is a superstar champion on two different teams and he's starting to deserve some of that confidence. Well, you know what? Here's the here's the argument. Here here's here's LeBron. You can always argue in favor or against LeBron. What he's done coming out of the Eastern Conference every year is just amazing. All these trips to the finals is amazing. Who's ever done that? But then again, you look at the Eastern Conference. I mean, you can make the playoffs with what? 15 game wins? <laughs> I mean, I mean the uh the Eastern Conference is 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 whack and it's kind of like um I'm starting to get and I hate to, man, and I don't want to start a controversy. Don't let me start a controversy. That's what Groove Talk is all about. Go ahead. But uh, but he's starting to remind me of a conversation I had with a with a buddy of mine about Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Steelers. Love that brother. Love the fact that he's the coach of that uh, historic franchise. They've only had three coaches in their entire history, you know, and they've got more championships than anyone. Pittsburgh is a great team. I'm glad they got a black coach and they kept him for 10 years. But this guy's 2-8 and eight against New England. If you can't beat New England, what good are you to me? If the NFL doesn't start putting together some AFC teams that can compete with New England, then they're going to keep going to the championship every year, racking it up. Just like if they don't start putting some competition in the Eastern Conference, LeBron is going to ice skate to the conference every year, and whoever comes out the West is going to be tired and beat up already. Just like you said with uh, LeBron in the East, uh, it's the same thing with the Patriots in their division. Their division is trash. 
and so, so, so historically so, trash. So that division historically is trash. trash. So I mean, the Patriots are in no different position than LeBron James, where he's going to take advantage of the competition in the East. I mean, the Patriots going to take a cup, take advantage of that division. But so but in the long run, so what that means is that they're like very likely to be in the playoffs every year. Every single so year. So they have, they have no competition, no serious competition in their division. But in the long run, when it's all said and done, and they got gray hair. What you think Tom Brady going to be doing? He's going to be throwing his rings up in his face. He ain't going to be talking about the lack the lack of competition in in his division. Uh, and and LeBron, LeBron going to be talking about how successful he was with all the rings that he has. He's not going to bring up the fact that he had to collide with Dwayne. Wade and he was because when it all boils down to it, it's those rings. That's what Kevin Durant is thinking too. But you know what? How does Kevin Durant is thinking? This LeBron era has to come to an end, and it might. And 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 if you are a LeBron hater, you better you know put Kevin Durant on your Christmas list because he might him going to Golden State might be the only thing to finally stop LeBron. (laughs) I'm not a Kevin Durant fan, man. Uh, not not necessarily because he went to Golden State, but partially because of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because he went to Golden State. No, no, no. Think think about this. We have right now in 2017 three different NBA All Stars who were on the same team. We have Harden, four, West. We have Harden, Westbrook, and Durant that were already on the same team and decide to be a little selfish. Decide to go for them. Harden got six man of the year. He thinks he's number one. I'm going to be the big man in Houston. Because I got six man. Actually, the, uh, Oklahoma City traded him. And in Kevin Durant's defense, if you're a young black millionaire, do you really want to live in Oklahoma City or do you want to be in the Bay? I want to go where the wings are. And if I got more of a chance to get... well, okay. Chris Rock said you, you can order sushi at four in the morning in San Francisco. You I mean, can't do that in Oklahoma. I mean, James. Okay, that's I the mean, reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't knock Harden for doing what he did. Because, I mean, the dude had the talent to be a starter in the league, and he wasn't going to get that. He wasn't going to get the. Playing behind those two. Yeah, be, okay, those I'll give two. you that. I'll give One, you that. he wasn't going to get the recognition of playing time, and he sure as hell wasn't going to get the money. So okay. you can't knock him for saying that I'm a top guard in this league, and I'm going to get top money, and I'm going to be the man where I go. Mm-hmm. I mean, if uh, I wouldn't want to be no, no six man every year. If my talent says otherwise, I, I got get you. everything I can get. I got you. All right. And then, and what what did it do? It put Houston in a, in a position to where they had to try to build around him. If I feel like I'm that talent, then I'm gonna make that decision too. So you can't really knock Harden for that. And that's where uh, uh, Howard, uh, Dwight Howard, came in. Yeah, uh, tried to, they're trying to build around. It's him. not like he went there like like a LeBron or somewhere. He's trying to you know recruit like the main superstars or he just tried to go to get what he felt he deserved hey you know what the bottom line is we could sit here we just had a conversation about basketball stars and you know what you know what their what their pluses and minuses are but the one thing uh you can say is this conversation we just had where you can compare and contrast and take away from and come up with excuses and reasons for why people are great and why they shouldn't be as great or whatever you can't do that with Serena. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Who's who's her who's her Kevin Durant to worry about? She's competing against herself. <laughs> That's it. Who who does who that? Who can you? How can you hate on Serena? I want. I would like a caller eight four four nine seven eight eight three four six. Somebody call in and give me some hate on Serena. Give me, find, find a way to take away from her legacy because to me that legacy looks completely spotless. She is clearly 
How many more great. years do you think she's got? I mean, at, she's at already point, 35, at, right? At this point, how many more years does she need to, to play? I mean, what what more do you need to to prove? She I mean, could just rack it up so you, nobody if, ever breaks it. I mean, it. if you look at it, uh, as far as uh, making her name or her history, her legacy is already written. So that that's, so she has nothing else to prove um, as far as she, she likely don't need money. She made a lot of money in that sport. 23 um, victories. Just, just it's chiseled her, in just stone. Just on her celebrity status alone, she can go into a bunch of other uh things to uh build money. So I mean she has a celebrity status, she's got the accomplishments. How many she, I mean she really don't. It's it's almost like a a, a Peyton Manning or or John Elway. It's she, like she's she doing it for her own top. She can why, leave on top. Yeah. She got endorsements. She's got yeah. endorsements don't last for God knows how long. Exactly. So she got she got that so she could start a clothing company for she, thick she just women. Got, she well, wasn't she uh engaged or something? She yeah yeah she, and she right, can she, she can probably start focusing on her family you know it's like it's like what she has nothing else to prove in the sport of tennis How? nothing so why not leave on top she's my team but that's team. that's to be determined you know honestly I think that competitive nature in her she is gonna keep her at least another year or two probably that's probably true she is competitive. It's, it's like those two those two her and Venus it's like they just came up with that competitive spirit like yeah you know they gonna go into the wheels fall off it probably take an injury to end her career. Okay. Unfortunately, hmm. but hopefully it don't come. Oh, I mean, let's not let's not put that out there. But yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, talking about LeBron James, talking about Charles Barkley, the 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 fact that LeBron James got to this breaking point where he realized, you know what? There's only so much I can stand, and I can't stand no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seemed to be the theme of this week. <laughs> we had the first week of a Trump presidency, and a whole bunch of people out there are saying the same thing LeBron did. You know what? I had one week of this Trump presidency, and I can't and take no enough. more. <laughs> and that's and it's enough. Time to, it's time to the fight back. protests have not stopped. I started last week. I was happy. I went to the Women's March. I thought that was it. I was like, you had all these millions of people across the world, from London to Berlin to, to, to Houston, Texas, to L.A. I mean, you had all of these people coming out. And you would have thought, okay, that was, you know, we, we showed our discomfort with this new guy. Uh-uh. It didn't stop. They're protesting at news, at, at, I mean, news, news, news ports. I made up a word. News ports. They're <laughs> protesting at airports. <laughs> uh, you just pick up a newspaper yeah. and, uh, and, uh, there's probably a protest going on right now in D.C. There's a, protesting outside of his hotel. That's constant. They should be. And for good reason. Let's talk about the reasons why they're protesting. This week alone, this week alone, this man has, as of last night, fired the attorney general for refusing to... um, to, to back, his executive to back order. the immigration back his executive order. Thank you, Jamal. Uh, um, uh, fired the commander of ICE, the immigration unit that's in charge of rounding up all of the um, um, illegal illegal, uh, illegal aliens or whatever you want to call them. Um, that just happened last night. That's two on one day. Um, this cat has. Uh, we talked about he got rid of the discount for the uh, Obama's discount for FHA yeah. loans when you're for first for when you're buying for low, for low income people buying homes, buying homes. Um, uh, woke up this week, yeah. Woke up this weekend and realized that he put uh, Steve Bannon on a permanent seat on the, on the S- National, National Security, Security Council. Council, and then and then told the. Um, 
Joint Chiefs of Chess, Joint Chiefs of Staff and, Chairman, and the that you will no longer of be and the Director of National Intelligence. That's right. And told them both, you will no longer be required to be here on a permanent status. I'm going to put Steve Bannon here. Okay. Hey, hey, listen, people um, out there listening, let, let let me put that in perspective for you. This man told the Director of National Intelligence and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you're no longer welcome on the National Security Council. For a permanency, we'll call you in as needed. Right. You can't, you, you know, no need for you to come to every meeting. Right. You don't need to be involved in, and you don't need to be in the know. But, however, however, this publisher who started a, not a magazine, not a newspaper, but a website, we're going to let you, Steve Bannon, take the permanency. Right, right. On the National Security Right. And, and, and you know what? It, it, it's becoming so obvious what is going on here. This man is being advised by a man who has openly said he wants to unite white, uh, white supremacists from the United States to Europe. Um, they, I believe, are trying to put together a new white power axis. Uh, Axis power. They're trying to put together a new between the United States, Russia, and I'm sure they're going to somehow include uh, Europe once they find a way to delegitimize uh, Angela Merkel in Germany. Um, I I, I seriously, once again, I I believe one of the first show, one of the first topics we talked about on this show was that there was a lot of people going around talking about, hey, how a lot of black people going around talking about how great the Trump victory was um, for Black America. This victory isn't great. You, you know, we got a caller here. Let me see who's on that line. Caller, are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. Caller, uh, tell us your name. Tell us where you're calling from. It's Keelan. Hi, Keelan. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Oklahoma. you calling right. from Oklahoma? I like that. I like that. So, how how do you want to participate? What did, what what did we say today that made you want to call in? Oh well, Will, Will hit me up and asked me my opinion on, told me to weigh in on this LeBron versus uh, Charles Barkley. Oh, okay. <laughs> LeBron LeBron versus Charles Barkley. Okay. Do you think LeBron was justified in going off on Charles Barkley? Okay, I just want to preface it that I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. I just said. On my show, what was it, some few weeks back, I was a consecutive LeBron hater for six years. So <laughs> I'm kind of transitioning out of hate. <laughs> so, you know what? I guess, I, yeah, I guess, I guess he was right. I read, I just read the transcript. I didn't actually, uh, if it was recorded, I didn't hear what he said, but what I read, yeah, the way, I, I, I guess he would just respond to what Charles Barkley said, but I didn't think what Charles Barkley said was all the way wrong, because he does want a lot, hmm. and most of the best top fives, I wouldn't think if they did want or whatever, I'm pretty sure they did it on the court, but the way he does it, he does it so much to where it makes you not like him, because he just, like, he, it's it just crazy to me how he'll complain about being fouled, but he's the one always pushing off going to the goal. No, so cute, that's cute. What, Hold on a second. Right wait, wait. No, did wait. you see him swing on the on the on the hoop like uh, the way he did, like like he was King Kong or something, like a monkey up there? He was swinging and he didn't get the call. That stuff makes you hate LeBron. Wait, hold on, Q Lynn. Hold on. You started this conversation with saying you are easing up with the hate in your heart. You're getting some love. You don't sound like you're loving right now. <laughs> well, I 
I mean, because I used to go harder than that. I mean, I'm, I'm giving, I, I get what he's saying. I, in terms of him responding back to Charles Barkley, most of the stuff he said about what he, what he, the stuff that Charles Barkley did in his past was true, but I respect him for coming back at Charles Barkley and, you know, because that's what he's supposed to do. If he felt the way about what Charles Barkley said, I have no issue with it. But at the same time, I get where Charles Barkley is coming from, and I think, he was more offended that Charles Barkley was saying that he's not a great player, period. But I don't think that's what he's saying. I'm thinking, I think he was just saying whenever you think about the, I think he, he might be in the top five. I don't know. I, I, I can't speak of right, these, these uh, NBA players right now, like the Kevin Durant. I don't know where they would rank, right. you know, 10 years from now. So I would just have to wait and see. But I, I get where Charles Barkley, I get where both of them are coming from. But I, I agree that I think uh, LeBron was just, Speaking from the heart and felt, felt offended by what Charles Buckley said, so he had all right to go at him, you know, because Charles Buckley says a bunch of crazy stuff all the time. So it should be expected. If you're going to dish it out, basically you got to take it. So Charles Buckley knew that he was going to say something to him. If he just questioned somebody's legacy like that, then yeah. I think there is a breaking point. Sometimes people get pushed too far and some people got to respond. I think not responding would have been even more of a bad look on LeBron. He had to do something. He couldn't let somebody just keep talking about you over and over again. But I do understand your point. Let me uh, make sure that um, I say to everybody, call in just like Q Lynn did. Uh, Q Lynn, thank you for your call, by the way. Oh, no problem. All right. Um, I want to make sure everybody calls in. Toll free, eight four four nine seven eight eight three four six. Hey, can I say something about LeBron in that situation? Though? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you know, LeBron, like like Jamal said, LeBron took it past basketball. He brought he brought in the personal, you know, with it. And um, I, I got to admit, you know, as far as what I would like to see, I, I like to I hate to see brothers out there making us look like ends. Okay. okay. And LeBron doesn't do that. I mean, let's just keep it real. He has kept a very clean nose. He's not out there scandal being free. ignorant. He has been scandal-free. Uh, you see him with his children. Evidently, one of his sons is really nice <laughs> in basketball, and they already got their eye on him. Um, I was watching, I uh, went to see the movie Fences, and before the movie came on, I saw Braun Productions. Hmm. Um, hmm. I was uh, chilling with my lady the other day, and I saw... Um, I saw, uh, we were watching uh, a game show called The Wall, produced, produced by LeBron yeah. James. So he's, he's taking doing what his he has money, he's doing what he and has he's to putting do. it back into the right places. And as far as, you know, representing and being a good brother, I really can't knock him. i got to be proud of him, right. especially when I get mad at the other ones that are, are the complete opposite of him. I so as far a, as him uh, being a man. I hear a butt coming. As far as him being a man. Uh, he's a, he's a good guy. Here comes the butt. But on a sports <laughs> level, okay. you're allowed to hate on people. If, if you, on, when it comes to sports, look, I'm a Laker fan. I don't want anybody challenging the dominance of the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm a Kobe fan. I don't want nobody coming close to challenging Kobe's legacy. You know, so that gives me a good excuse to hate on, you know, to hate on LeBron. Um, and I and I really really have to always wonder would he be winning all these championships had he been playing in the Western Conference? Because the Western Conference is brutal. Actually, and the, it's been brutal. The answer is no. <laughs> for at least 15 years now. The answer is no. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have made it out of there. Yeah. With, with, with the powerhouses in the West. Depending I mean, on what team he's on. I mean, 
my my biggest thing with LeBron is he just needs to chill with the you know the public bashing of whether it's you know his displeasure with uh, management, team management, a coach or uh, teammates. He just needs to you know what I'm saying certain. As an athlete, certain things need to stay in-house. You know, you don't need to At make Jamal. public statements like that to where, you know what I'm saying, you got some animosity or you're not happy or something like that, man. Stop whining, play ball, whatever issues you got, deal with that behind closed doors in the locker room and don't let it come public. That's my biggest knock on LeBron. Jamal, you think he's scared because he see Golden State coming and that's what this is all about? Uh, I think he think I think uh, he worried about getting that work from Golden State, but I mean, he, <laughs> either it's San Antonio. It's just the fact that I mean, he's just letting it publicly be known that you know it's issues with their with you know their team or whatever. I just think he need to keep that in house. <laughs> I like but, how uh, you put that. <laughs> but uh, back to uh, this uh, thing that's been going on with Trump. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. you know this obviously the biggest thing this week has been with the uh, you know the the ban on uh, you know people entering the country. What do you think and, about uh, that? I think um, I understand what the dude is trying to do. He's trying to limit, you know, terrorists coming into the country. But I mean, at he also, I, th- I think, and this this goes for a lot of things. I think people misjudge the power of interpretation, and coming up with a with an executive order like he did, your intentions. I understand what you had, but you have to understand that it's not going to be interpreted that way and the way it's going to be interpreted is going to be a huge backlash and on top of that terrorists are going to take advantage of it i mean you got all this anger and hatred coming towards this presidency and these terrorists are going to use it in a way to recruit or uh you know let people know that this country doesn't want you So they're going to use it to their advantage. Um, you know what? Let me, let, me, let me say this because one of the things that happens on Groove Talk Radio is that it happens on Tuesday night right after I'm teaching my classes at the college, right? So we're talking about this in the college, and it's fresh on my mind, okay? Now, I do have very big disagreements with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't like either one of them, right? Now, one of the things that the Republican Party is known for is creating policies in case something happens. One of the things that the Democratic Party is known for is creating policies to help us with this thing that is already happening. Mm -hmm. Now, both of those have its uh, advantages and disadvantages. Okay, one of the things that is going on with Donald Trump and this immigration ban is. The reasons for him doing that was we don't want to create more terrorists in this country. We don't want to have the possibility of some of these refugees coming over with terrorist mindsets and coming into this country and causing problems. So I'm going to step in front of it and do something preemptive and do this executive order. My beef with that is it was done too quickly. It was done without consultation and it was done banning seven countries from which none of the terrorists that <laughs> attacked Americans came from. When you look at 9-11, those were people from Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm arguing with, I have, a, I have a, a student who's a diehard Republican, Trump mm-hmm. fan. And I'm arguing with her and she's saying, you know what? But, Mr. Brown, we have to do something because we don't want another Orlando nightclub shooting. I said, okay, that's fine, but that dude was born in New York. 
but yeah, yeah, but he said ISIS and he he was born and he's a secure 29 year old security guard and he's born in New York, moved to Florida. You cannot have an immigration ban to stop that. And then she said, well, what about San Bernardino? Because those people in San Bernardino, got, I said that dude was born in the United States. But mm-hmm. yeah, but what about his his wife was born in Pakistan, which is not a, one of those seven countries. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we are effectively banning refugees that need our help. His wife was no different. I mean, the, the wife in the San Bernardino killing was no different than Trump's wife. Um, he brought um, he brought someone in from um, a foreign country uh, who wanted a break in life, and uh, and uh, he gave it to her. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Being we married a, to a rich millionaire, she doesn't look happy. Um, no, no. Not only that, we have a first lady who, who speaks came immigrant to, who came who stayed in the United States on an expired visa. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Right. And I, I'm not even going to get into all the porn and all the other stuff, but. Um, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of a lot of people do have a problem with Trump's uh, ban um, because the countries that he banned, we haven't had any the the countries that he banned, we haven't had any incidents of domestic terrorism from them since 1975. None of the countries we, he's banned. Was that uh, the Iran hostage? Uh, well, well, probably, but I just know it was 1975. Okay. But um, we haven't had any 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 trouble out of them. Uh, one of the things that bothered me back in the days is that the country that was most responsible for attacking us, Saudi Arabia, on, on, on September 11th, uh, 15 of the 19 hijackers from, from, were from Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia raised money for al-Qaeda. They literally had, like, telethons on television for al-Qaeda. And they attacked us on September 11th, and to this day, they haven't even received a letter of reprimand from the United States, let alone any retaliation. Because of their ties to the Bush administration, because of their because 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 they're, they're they're our biggest supplier of oil, um, they literally got away with the murder of two thousand American citizens, crushed them like grapes and burnt them. When you put it together, they killed two thousand American citizens, and Saudi Arabia has gotten away with it smooth. So, and they're not even and and they're not on this list. Well, they're, they're, now, okay, I'm about to say something I haven't verified, so you know, we got to help me with this now. <laughs> but there's a groove, you know, we're grooves, and we're Facebook friends with grooves. And this groove put out this um, conspiracy. He said, I, I need somebody to help me with this. Because there's something that all seven countries on Donald Trump's immigration ban, there's something that they all have in common. They're all countries that he does business in. No, no, no. The seven countries that he banned. Oh, that he banned. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. the, uh, the countries he didn't ban, you're right. He's got business ties in those countries. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But these seven countries all have something in common. These are the seven remaining countries in the world that don't have a Rothschild slash IMF central bank. Mm, you went there with it, Rob. Now, I'm going there with That's it. That's what I'm talking I'm about. I'm going Rob. there with it oh, only man. because a groove asked us to go there with it. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm not kidding. You know, a groove asked us to go there with it. Now, there's a lot that I think is happening. See, we out here playing checkers and Trump is playing chess. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. feel me? I think we are talking about this immigration ban. We're talking about this wall between Mexico and the United States. 
We're talking about Women's March. We're talking about a whole lot of things that are distractions from something else that's going on behind the scenes. Right, and 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 scary what's going on. Be, what, what could be going on behind the scenes? Well, like we know, his national security advisor met with an, a man from the Nazi uh, that was met with people in an organization founded by Nazis. This is your national security advisor. How safe does that make you feel? Um, his um, defense, his secretary of defense, is ex-military. Military is not supposed to be in charge of the civilian in charge of of, of 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 the defense of the country military is not supposed to be in charge the of military is to balance it with a civilian right in order there to is no um western or civilized um, um first world country first world country that does that anymore not right. you can't name a country that still does that you can name egypt and look what happened in egypt their military took over right um but here in the united states trump has put the secretary of defense ex-military the uh, national security advisor, ex-military, the guy in charge of homeland security, the ones who's going to bring in the tanks and declare martial, or, martial law if it goes down, ex-military. He's put military generals in charge of things that no other president has done before. That alone right. is scary. And then when you want to bring up the fact that, the, that, 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 that these seven countries are not a Rothschild bank, um, now, now that's that's some behind the scenes stuff, right? That's some things that you know what I'm talking about this in my class, right? And I said, you know what, we got to get back to English because I'm an English teacher. And one of my students, this, this young lady named Katie, she said, "No, nah, Mr. Brown, this is important. Let's keep talking about this." And I said, "Okay, cool. What do y'all want to know?" And one student actually said, "Mr. Brown." Why do you think this is happening? What what do you think his end game is? If he's playing chess and we playing checkers, chess players have an end game. Mm -hmm. What's the end game? Here's what I think the end game is, and I want y'all to follow me here. Donald Trump actually said he was going to do. He's doing what he said he was going to do. Mm -hmm. He said Muslim ban during his campaign, and he's doing it. He said no Obamacare, and he's everything he said in his campaign. He said he, he, he's doing right now. Okay, he told y'all what he's gonna do. You voted for him. He's doing it. Okay. The thing that nobody else is checking is this: when he wrote his book, The Art of the Deal and How to Win, he actually did. He laid out the blueprint on how to win, and what he's doing now is actually following that plan. Right. One of the things. There's this saying out there, if you want a puppy, you ask for a pony. Mm -hmm. If you want a puppy, you ask for a pony, mm -hmm. right? If my if Marcus, my six-year-old, comes up to me and says, Daddy, Daddy, I want a puppy, first thing I'm going to say is no. No, you don't want to, you can't take care of yourself. How are you going to take care of a puppy, right? Mm -hmm. No, you can't. But if he said, you know what, Daddy, 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 I want a pony, first thing I'm going to say is, why are you want a pony? That's Stupid. Why you want a pony? Well, Daddy, I can ride this pony to school and it'll be faster. So it'll take care of you. You don't have to drive me to school. And, and I'll take care of this pony and I'll brush his hair. Man, you can't take care of a pony, man. You'd be better off taking care of a puppy. Okay, Daddy, let's get a puppy. Yeah, let's get a puppy. And then all of a sudden, now we got a puppy when I didn't even want You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Donald Trump is doing. He is starting his first week with the extreme. You, he, and the reason I know this is because he said it in the art of the deal. This is how you win negotiations. You overextend your proposal. You go extreme first 
because what you really want is back here, right? But if I go extreme and everybody's, no, 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 no. They'll walk it back to where it is that you wanted in the first place. He Right now, the ACLU is filing lawsuits against this immigration ban. He doesn't care about that. If they win, great. That's just a, I don't care about that. Because what I really wanted is this. I really wanted to test how much I can get away with. I wanted to test what kind of cabinet I have. Right. If I have people around me who start coming up against me and I fire them and I bring somebody else in charge like I did with the attorney general, then what that means is everybody's on pins and needles. And I got the cabinet I want under my thumb. I can control these people. So now I got the cabinet I want. There's a certain kind of government that I want to have. I want to have the kind of government where there's fewer checks and balances. So you know what? I'm going to go extreme. And when it walks back and it, it's going to walk backwards to the type of government that I want. Right. But the, what type of government does he want? What do you think his end game is? I think he's literally wants a, uh, to create a whole new white access power. There is a there is a fascist overtone mm-hmm. to what he wants. He does want that type of government. Mm-hmm. I he does want that type of government, and he's doing what he can to be extreme on the on the top end, so he can walk it back to eventually have the type of government that he wants to have. Hey, let me that let me back, that can that can also backfire too, though. That's true. Because you don't you don't you don't want. All right, I mean, you may want it, but it may not work out best for you to have a government where you know you got everybody on pins and needles, and nobody's going to challenge you because you actually need that. Because every decision you make is not going to be a decision that's best. Just like uh, with the attorney general, nothing was wrong with what she did. Exactly. Because she was like, she she was like, I'm not convinced that this is legal. And until right. and, and until I do, mm-hmm. I'm not going to back it. Mm-hmm. That's somebody you actually want. You're 100 percent right. Because I, right. I'll give you a perfect example. No, no, no. That's somebody that you want because Jamal is a rational man. That's but what I'm saying that, that may Donald be something Trump that does. that may be something that Donald Trump needs because let's say he has a, his cabinet all on pins and needles and nobody wants to challenge him, he may be about to make a decision that can drastically affect this country and because they're afraid to challenge him, they're not going to say nothing. Okay. And now the country is in. Okay. A, you know that what you just said is 100 percent right. Now there's a there's another professor at the school I was talking to about this and he he kind of agreed with what you said Jamal, right? He agreed with what you said. And he said one of the things about Trump is he values he doesn't mind if you disagree with him. He minds if you're disloyal to him. He values loyalty over disagreement. So as long as you're loyal, he'll 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 be okay. Perfect example was Sean Spicer. A lot of people inside of Trump's administration and outside of Trump's administration said after the inauguration the very next day when they sent Sean Spicer out there to do that uh five minute speech where he wasn't talking to the reporters but he had to you know he was sweating he was wearing that suit that was too big for his body and he said I'm not taking questions here's the inauguration and 1.5 million people showed up and it was such a huge crowd that largest ever he says a lot of people are saying he had to do that because Trump wanted to test 
how loyal he was. He had to bring this message out whether he agreed with it or not because Trump wanted to see whether or not he would do it. And once he did it, look at what happened three days later. Boom. He went back and became the press secretary that we were all waiting for. But he had to do this, I'm going to say shit, (laughs) right after the inauguration because Trump values loyalty over disagreement. That, that that's true. Um, you know, let, let me let me pose a question to you two brothers as grooves. Let's make this stuff relevant, okay? Black Americans, especially black males, are disproportionately concentrated in the low skill labor market and are disproportionately more likely to have more to have no more than a high school diploma. Likewise, illegal immigrants disproportionately concentrated in the low-skilled labor market and disproportionately more likely to have low levels of academic achievement, these two groups compete with each other in the low-skilled labor market. My question to you guys is, as black people, should we really care that he put an indefinite ban on Syrian refugees, considering the fact that immigration causes wages for low-skilled minority workers with a high school degree or less to decline? Now, let me tell you what is just plain old conjecture. Okay? It's conjecture that 10% rise in immigration equals a 3% decline in African American wages? No, no, no. That part is true. But the part where we have to worry about it is is not necessarily the case. Tell me why. Okay. Because the number one factor in illegal immigration is expired student visas, expired work visas. That's the number one, not number two. Yeah, a lot of people stay past their visas. Right. Mm -hmm. The majority of them. Right. People who come here on visas are students and workers. People who are who not low skilled workers, not terrorists. Right, right. No, no. Low skilled. You don't you don't come over on a work visa so you can pick grapes. You don't. Hmm. The number one factor in illegal immigration. And this is not me talking. This is according to numbers. And, and everybody listening can look this up. Pew Research Center. Number one factor is expired visas. If more people are illegal immigrants because of expired visas, it's not doing a damn thing for the low-skilled jobs. What's happening is this immigration ban is preventing some of those people. Think about it like this. At the college level, colleges, everything from Harvard all the way to community colleges, charge three times as much for college tuition if you're an international student, they need these international students to come come over. You with me? These international students are coming over on a student visa. Student visa expires and they kind of disappear into the country in the Midwest somewhere. And now you got illegal immigrant. Mm-hmm. OK, there is no wall that's going to stop people coming over here by plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you with me? Mm-hmm. There is no work policy that's going to help people find jobs because these these highly educated people on an expired student visa are taking away low paying jobs that's not happening 
Right. But you, but you know, here, here's my thing. And, uh, I, I hate to keep doing this. Boy, I, I don't want to defend Donald Trump. Cause I really do hate this guy. Um, and, and, and I, and I don't mind saying that. He's President Golden Shower. And Tierre Van Meter said it. He's President Golden Shower. I, I, I don't want to, I can't respect him as anything more than that. He's he President sounds like Golden a James Shower. Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. But, President Golden Shower. Amorosa. You know who Amorosa is, the girl from his TV show, The Apprentice, the black girl. She's, 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 she's dark and lovely. Hey, I like looking at her. Okay. I just hate hearing her speak. Okay. Um, but uh, Amorosa, she said just the other day, once again, she said that the Obama administration chose to be relaxed on its efforts to reach out to the black community. And we are going to do the opposite. We see the violence we see the statistics we see the homicide rate we see the drugs we see the death and we are going to do something about it so once again now this wasn't trump this is someone else from her administration promising to do something for blacks okay now they haven't done anything yet and it's still the jury is still out we don't know this could be all talk uh he did put a a, a white racist in the White House and just recently, as you said, gave oh, him clearance on the National Security Council. So it's hard to believe that a man like that is going to do anything to help black America. But let's just let's try and be objective here. If he's promising to do something for black Americans, if he's promising to build a wall to stop illegal immigration on our southern border, those illegal immigrants that come in on the southern border end up competing with black America, um, um, period. Okay, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. The Mexicans and whatnot, they end up competing and taken away from, from black advancement. Um, the Syrian refugees, other people, as we talked about before, other people come to the United States with a spirit of entrepreneurship, a spirit of entrepreneurship that has been lynched out of us. So even Syrians come into the United States are probably going to come here, figure out what everyone else has figured out, they start exercising power nomics, start businesses, and gain power, and once again slide us down even further on the totem pole. So I my question is, as black people, um, should we care if he builds that wall? Should we care if he's stopping these Syrian um, refugees okay. from coming in? Uh, at the end of the day, aren't they going to push us even lower on that totem pole anyway? Is he doing us a favor? Okay. The answer to your first ca- question, should we care? The answer is yes. Tell the me why. Answer it of do they care about us? The answer of would they care about us? The answer of is it going to push us further down the totem pole? No, it will not. And let me tell you why. It will not push us further down the totem pole because of this. Let's imagine that every refugee from these seven countries did not come here. That won't automatically make black folks be hey they're not here. Let's be entrepreneurs now. They need jobs, though. Okay. Whose jobs are they going to take? A that, white man's job? No, no, no. You just said you got all these people from other countries with this entrepreneur spirit starting these own small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. Those are not jobs. Those are entrepreneurs. That's a difference. Good point. Okay. If, if you're worried that all of these refugees and immigrants are coming over here and starting businesses and they're not allowing black folks to do it, that's ridiculous because if these refugees weren't here that doesn't automatically make black folks say hey 
they're not here. Let's start our own business now. No, because we already have that opportunity. No, okay. but it does make us have to work now, that much harder with them being here. Now, well, not in terms of starting a small business. And now, let, let, let's say, like what you said, low-skilled jobs like factory jobs, right? Okay. If we have a lot of people coming over from Mexico illegally and doing some very low-skilled jobs, agriculture, picking produce, right, mowing lawns, if they all all of a sudden disappear because we got this border wall, that does not leave the door open for black people to start picking grapes, to start mowing lawns, because black folks still won't do those jobs. Actually, I think if you gave blacks the opportunity to take back that... um lawn mowing industry I think it's a lot of people that would go ahead and start that business you know what I beg to differ black folks don't flock to lawn mowing jobs black folks looking for benefits they're looking for government jobs they're looking for factory jobs you don't get benefits picking grapes here's here's what it is with uh, like Rob was just talking about uh, these immigrants that come to the United States and they do these low these jobs at the bottom you know of the barrel is the problem with blacks in the United States is they don't have the same drive that these people have. What black people in this country they take advantage for what they have. These people are coming from something of the worst of the worst situations. So when they come here and say that I gotta you know sell this fruit or I gotta do this labor job, that's an upgrade for me. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem doing it. A black person in the United States is gonna look at that job and say I'm not doing that. Downgrade. I'm not doing it. So, like like Rob was saying, that's not uh, stopping black people from getting those jobs. Black people are stopping themselves from getting that job. And it's the same thing as, at the end of the day, regardless of what's going on with these other countries, bands, anything, as far as the state of black people in the United States, that's not going to change until black people change. I don't care what you say, and I'm tired of hearing excuses for black people with it. We make too many excuses. And until that change... Black people still have the same problems. That's exactly. Right. So because black people need to start getting their stuff together and worrying about exactly. themselves so, instead of everyone so else. Hear, so when I hear, and, and, it, and it sucks to have to say it as a black man, I mean, it, it sucks to have to say it, but none of that stuff, if you really wanted to do what you say you want to do, put the plan in motion to do it. Black people don't do that. Black people have a lot of wants and wishes. But they don't put anything into play to make that happen. Oh, I want this. Well, that's not how it works. You got to put the plan in place and actually go out and do it. Right. A lot of a lot of th- for example, a lot of things that uh, that gets black people out is education. You got to get educated. To do this. I ain't going through all that. I'm just going to to high school or something. I'm just go to a junior college or something. They don't want to advance, and they make excuses for it until black people change. They're always going to have that problem. Those people and, and those those immigrants that come, they have they naturally now they might have turned start off at the bottom and then as years go along, you see an immigrant that came over here that started at the bottom and all of a sudden they're entrepreneurs. They came here with the drive that black people don't have because they're coming from, from the a work. situation that black people exactly. currently don't. Have. I had a student who says I and I'm not going to name names, but this particular student told me yesterday. I have family in Guatemala who are trying to come here to the United States because there is danger where they live. You give them the chance to sell oranges on the off ramp of the freeway, they will jump at it in a heartbeat. 
if I go over and tell my brother, <laughs> hey, look, man, I know you don't have a job. Why don't you go sell these oranges in the on the freeway? He's going to say, psh, man, psh, man, shoot. No. Right, 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 and and that that I, that I agree. That is that is a shortcoming of our our of our own. But still, um, let's let's not let's not. What you're saying is true. Black people need to get our stuff together. But statistics are uh, and facts are facts. If every ten percent increase in immigration has historically, decade after decade, proven to be a three point six percent decline in black wages, then all of this illegal immigration does nothing in particular to help us. Sure, we need to be doing a lot of things to help ourselves, but this illegal immigration um, um, doesn't do anything particular to help us. So should, I mean, should this be our number one concern? Another thing, I'll um, use you another example, the, the, the Indians. Um, you know, the Dakota Pipeline, Keystone Pipe, they, they've opened, Trump doesn't want to something else he's done his first week. He's reversed the two pipelines. He's really going to put America in danger. The, these oil sand pipelines are going to go straight through the United States and, uh, straight through the United States and hit the open market and we're not going to even benefit from any of that oil. Um, the, the, the metal, the pipes, the metal pipes were already bought and paid for and Part of, and, and I was just watching it the other night, part of the, the, the metal that came from these pipes that they're going to build these pipelines with came from Russia. Uh, it's not even American steel, and it's too late to use American steel. The pipes are already bought. But I, I don't want to digress. Indians. A lot of people don't realize that blacks and, that, that, that blacks and Indians um, have a very unique history. Number one, uh, we were 40% of the Trail of Tears, okay? Uh, the black people were the ones who started the Seminole tribes. After slavery ended, a lot of people don't really realize that the slaves, that the Indians were capturing us and enslaving us too. We think that we were just, all we had to do was escape the white man and then we'd be free and you know but you'd escape the white man and then you you were still in enemy territory you were still on enemy land you still had to make it past the indians who would kill you scalp you and take your scalp back to the white man for money or enslave you yourself when slavery was over the i want to say the cherokee were holding at least 15,000 black slaves after slavery was over and the union uh, army had to go in there and force them to let us go. Okay. Since then, since then, um, um, there were, there has been a lot of, uh, there were, there were accommodations made. There has been reparation accommodations made for blacks and Indians after slavery. However, the slave, the Indians used the courts to push the blacks out of the same benefits that they are allowed to get. I used to live in Temecula, California. Um, there are Indian people in this country, y'all, that get $7,000 a month just for being Indian, $8,000 a month just for being an Indian, $15,000 a month just for being Indian, $12,000. I've met these people over and over on a daily basis. There are Millions of Indians in the United States that are getting paid thousands of dollars every month just from their bloodlines. There are white people who bought, they're called $5 Indians, who bought their way onto the rolls, they're called the Dolls Rolls, 
where they said that they have Indian blood in them and they're now att- now entitled to this government money. But the Indian people themselves um, uh, excluded us from this benefit. They went to the court and said they they went to the court and said that if you can't prove that you have such and such of a drop of blood in you, uh, Indian blood in you, or if you don't look like this, then you're not entitled to that same benefit. So they excluded us from ever getting our reparations. And to this day, everyone's gotten reparations. The white man's gotten reparations for our slavery. Do you know they've compensated white people for our slavery? Indians have gotten reparations for what they've gotten. We have yet to get any reparations. And yet we are out there always fighting for everyone else. Now, we will that, go that is true, but to bat for those Indians. And I'm that trying Dakota to tie this into what you said earlier, though, about illegal immigration. Why should we care? We care because we're human beings that care about people who are getting shot in another country. But nobody cares about us, Rob. Nobody you know cares about it. Michael Jackson even made a song about it. <laughs> they don't really care you. about us. I got you. I got you. And 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 we're always out there trying to live in it. Linda, helping hand to someone else. Maybe me should. Maybe we should be concentrating more on getting our stuff together, like Rob, like 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 Jamal was saying, and just let Trump do whatever he got to do. What do you think? Am I wrong? Am I racist? No, 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 but, no, no. I no, mean, no. go ahead, Jamal. But what good is that going to do? I'm just raising the question, bro. <laughs> no, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but I mean, at the end of the day, what good is it going to do? Because is because the best route to do about best route to go is do both. We're, I mean, you're a human being, you're American, so that's naturally you know what you should do. We're, you're, we're not, we don't want to be, especially consider everything we went through. We don't want to put that on nobody else. We're the last people that want to do that. Hey, karma's a bitch. So, I mean, you're right. And, and nothing, nothing stopping us from you know caring about what's going on with these other people in these other countries and these refugees, and at the same time getting our stuff together. That's the that's what you want to go. That's the route you want to go. I mean, and considering everything that we've gone through to still have that compassion for people and not uh, use that as a way to, you know, express anger or promote anger or anything like that, that's the best, that's the best thing for us as black people. You know what? what? What do you think? To, to, to what? No, what, Jam- what Jamal said, one of the things that I have to care about this immigration ban because stopping this is the right thing to do. If I automatically do what you said and say, you know what, I don't care about these immigration, man. You know, black folks, we need some help. So I'm not going to care about all these illegal immigrants. Okay, not caring about these illegal immigrants is not going to get us closer to reparations. What Jamal is saying is it's possible to care what happens to another human being while you fight for yourself. That's what Jamal is saying. Let's. Let's do the right thing by these other people and then do the right thing by us. But does our effort get watered down in the process? Do we do we dilute our efforts no, by our efforts trying are, to help everybody instead no, no, of just no. concentrating on No, 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 because our you know what? Our efforts are getting watered down because we're not doing what we have to do for ourselves. You know what like Jamal said Eight four four nine seven eight eight three four six. Anybody want to weigh in? Eight four four nine seven eight eight three four six. Make sure you press zero. Go ahead. Now I'm gonna say I'm gonna wrap it up by saying this, man. Out of everything that we just talked about tonight, Jamal Hawkins, groove known as assassin, hit the nail on the head with what he just said. We have to be compassionate conservatives. Well, <laughs> we as black folks 
have not got our due process yet. We we haven't. And there are some things that we have to do on our own because they're not going to get done for us. Sure. Okay. I agree. We also need to be compassionate to other people because we're compassionate human beings. It's not that we have a finite amount of energy and if we do this, that means we can't do that. That's not true. We can fight for both because both are the right thing to do. I am not going to say, you know what, Trump, go ahead and do everything you want to do. I don't fucking care because you know what? I'm a worry about black folks. So you go and ban these seven countries. No, no, no. We know that's the wrong thing to do. So we got to stop Trump while we got to start ourselves. Now, I'm sorry, uh, audience. I, I said a curse word there. I it's okay. <laughs> this is Internet Radio. And you know what? I just want to go ahead and say something. I'm sitting here looking at Jamal. Um, I just want to tell everybody something that we're doing. Um, we are grooves. And um, a lot of you are probably wondering, what, what, what's a groove? Well, Grooves is basically it's um, a black organization that we uh, joined when we were in college or after college. But um, it's basically our mandate is to give back to the community uh, and um, especially uh, raise uh, education, um, educational awareness and, and things of that nature and just um, basically help our people and uh, give back. And um, tomorrow is going to be the first day we're going to embark um, this is this is going to be our second year of our um, mentorship program, and um, we we did it last year in Orange County, but we were asked to come and do mentorship at a school in Watts um, for the next ten weeks. And uh, we're all working class people, man. We all got jobs, and but uh, we have to be at this school during the day, uh, during the week, and. Tomorrow is going to be the first day where we're going to implement our mentoring program in Watts. And I'm really, 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 really proud of us. <laughs> I kind of got to say um, um, for uh, for doing this because we, we're getting the opportunity to help kids that need it the, uh, the most. Um, Watts is one of the worst ghettos in the United States. And um, if there's any positive uh, impact that we can have on these children, then um, we're going to do our best to do it. And um, Jamal, you're going to be the the point man. I know I'm putting you on the spot, bro, but yeah, you're going to. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but you are, uh, you're gonna be the point man, and I'm, uh, you're gonna be the point man on this, and, um, uh, I just wanted to, uh, see if you wanted to, uh, share your feelings on, um, what you expect to get out of this, um, um, when we start. I mean, basically, the mentor program is basically just to, sh uh, bring a, a positive influence to these, uh, middle school kids that we're gonna be working with, um, teach them some leadership skills, uh, and a bunch of other skills that they can use. Obviously, it's a 10-week program, and each week they're going to learn some kind of skills that they can use um, to benefit them as they progress uh, through from middle school to high school, uh, hopefully on to college and uh, in their professional lives. It's something that's uh, going, to, it's going to be a positive program. Uh, hopefully, we get their grades up as well, teach them some um, you know, study habits that they can use, and it's kind of good that we're getting them at the middle school because this is actually the age group where they, a lot of these kids haven't yet decided which side of the road they're going to go. You know, usually when you get with a lot of high school, try to mentor a lot of high school students, uh, they use they, at that time 
You'd be surprised at how many have already chosen which path they're going to go, whether it's positive or negative, whether they're going to be done with school, uh, whether they're going to further their education, or whether they're going to go into you know a life of crime or something. So getting them at middle school gives them gets them while they're still that that undecided age, and hopefully we leave a positive influence on them that um, you know lead them to some good things. It's funny that you said that junior high is the right age to get them because I remember watching The Wire. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever saw The Wire, but The Wire was one of the dopest series out there that in the sopranos but uh there was uh at one point that there was um some white guy came in and do some study and he wanted to try and help the black kids and um they started with the high school kids and uh basically the wire was showing that this, by, by by high school these kids are already programmed and wired up to be um what they you know go, to go down a, a certain path and they realized they had to drop back down lower to the junior high level and so um that's um that's a good thing that we're gonna we're gonna start at that level and um you know I know what? you work with these children that have already gone the wrong way in the juvenile detention system so um i'm I'm pretty sure that your skills uh dealing with uh children of troubled uh uh with with, with troubled backgrounds is gonna is is gonna really come in handy and uh I just wanna uh uh give you your props you are definitely gonna be our point man on this so I just wanna give Jamal Hawkins, I'm definitely going to be there tomorrow and I'm going to help out, but I just want to give props to you because you were the, one of the main persons that put this together. And um, uh, this Los Angeles graduate chapter is very proud of you, man. just wanted to I say that. I appreciate it, bro. Yeah. All right. You know what? Moving back to middle school, is, I'm going to mess up the quote, but I, I want to say it was Frederick Douglass who said, it's easier to build men than to repair broken ones. Hmm. Right? And one of the things about going into a high school is you're right. You already got high school kids who are set in their ways. Mm -hmm. And so now you have to do a lot of repair. But when you step back to middle school and you catch them before they get to that older teenage, you get to build men. And it's a whole lot easier to build men than it is to repair broken ones. You know what I'm saying? So y'all y'all wish us luck on our program. We're going to start this tomorrow. And um, if there's anyone um, doing any really good, positive community service efforts out there, especially grooves and swings, uh, let us know. We'll announce it. And um, let's try and use the station to uh, uh, forward more um, positivity um, uh, within, within our community, definitely, and yes. anyone else's. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> we got a lot of positive stuff going on out there so if you want to uh, call in or if you want to contact us there is an easy way to contact us okay we have two ways that you can contact us some of y'all live on Facebook some of y'all on social media right now y'all need to get off that but right now if you're on Facebook just search for Groove Talk Radio and then you will find us okay Groove Talk Radio on Facebook and then you can leave us a message and tell us what you're doing and we'll bring you on the air on the air if you want to promote your activity you want to promote your community service you want to promote that positive thing that you're doing let us know and we'll put you on the air okay all right now uh we're gonna wrap it up right here make sure that you tell your friends to download that app from the app store from your play store img the number two img two there you go download that app Tell your friends to listen in. We're building something real big here on uh, Groove Talk Radio. Also, if you missed the show or if you want to listen to past episodes, download that Stitcher app. Stitcher is an app where you can listen to podcasts and pre-recorded shows. We 
have been on Stitcher now for about a uh, half a month here. So you can listen to all those old shows if you missed it. Just download that Stitcher app. Search for Groove Talk Radio. All right. Um, all right. This is your host, uh, Robert Brown, on behalf of Jamal Hawkins, on behalf of Tierra Van Meter and the L.A. Grad Chapter. Uh, we thank you for joining us here on Groove Talk Radio. Make sure you tune in next week on Tuesday at 5.30 Pacific Time. Right now, we're going to uh, take you out of here with our music. Make sure that you go and tell a friend. Groove Talk Radio, Tuesdays, 5.30 p.m. Peace. Yeah.